So we're reading from the message, but it's John 17. It's the Lord Jesus' high priestly prayer. Uh, amazing prayer when we actually listen in to Jesus talking to um, his heavenly Father. And praying for us. Praying for not only his disciples, but he specifically said, for all the ones who will believe according to their word. So it's John 17. Jesus said these things. Then, raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your Son, so the Son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human, so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me. And they have now done what you said. They now know beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours, and yours mine, and my life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me, so that they can be one heart and mind, as we are one heart and mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them. In the pursuit of the life you gave through me, I even posted a night watch, and not one of them got away, except for the rebel bent on destruction, the exception that proved the rule of Scripture. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecra consecrated truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes, so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. 
I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known, so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, please open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to your word, we pray. Father, whatever's just of the preacher, we pray the wind will blow it away. And Lord, whatever is of you, would you write it on our hearts, write it in our minds. We just ask, Lord, that glory and fruit will come to you today because of your word, because we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right, we are looking at a short series called God is Closer Than You Think. Um, and the title I've been given this morning is Jesus Our Brother. I don't know, does that sound a bit not quite right doctrinally? Well, we'll have a look and see what the Bible has to say about it. Right, you ready? You've got all your cards done, your shopping done. All those bits and pieces, this is what really differentiates the neat pots from the shamblers amongst you. So it's a good time to stop back a little bit, isn't it, and say, hang on, let's just remind ourselves what it is we're actually making a fuss of. It's really nice to have all the froth and so on and so forth. Is this about children? Yes, it is. One particular child spoken of thousands and thousands of years ago. Next, please. We use the word Emmanuel, don't we? Um, this is a promise that was actually made um, uh, by God to a people who are in a right mess, uh, frankly. The children of Israel were having a terrible time, and the prophet came up to the king and said, ask the Lord for a sign, will you, that this is going to be. And he had the sort of unbelief that wouldn't even do that. And he said, oh, I'm not going to ask the Lord for a sign. No, 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 none of that, thank you. And the prophet said, oh, for goodness sake, the Lord himself will give you a sign, all right? A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, 
and you'll call him Emmanuel. Now, that's a name you've heard before. It means God with us. It is, in fact, two Hebrew words stuck together. El means God, and Ibnu means with us or close. So, for instance, if you've heard theologians talking about God's immanence, that's what they mean, God up close. That's what they really mean. And that's what the Lord's name is. That's pretty amazing, really, when you think about it. Next one, please. You know the carol? Low within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. We sometimes sing through these things because they're good tunes at Christmas, don't we? The words are fantastic. Can you get your head around that? A little baby, a tiny little baby. God Almighty? Really? Do you believe that? That's incredible, really. Sorry about the shepherds on the left who look more like hobbits than anything else, but there we are. Next, please. And right through his life, this whole business of seeing God in the flesh. Now, to the Jews, that's anathema. How can God be a human being in the flesh like that? Our Muslim brothers and sisters would say the same. That's impossible. Sorry, God does not come into a human being. Doesn't happen. Not like that. Okay? It's true. God in a human being. And even in the Last Supper, when the Lord was talking to his disciples, they hadn't really got it even then. You know, Philip says to him, you keep telling us about your father. Show us the father. Now that'll be enough. And Jesus almost chuckles and says, don't you know me, Philip? After all this time, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father, the Father is in me? These words I'm speaking to you, they're not just mine. They come from the Father. It's him in me doing his work. Believe me when I say that the Father, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or if you find that difficult, at least believe on the basis of what you can see the wonders and the miracles that have been happening round about you, Philip. Next one, please. Going to the New Testament a bit further, and all kinds of things are talked about this relationship. Adoption. Being in the family of God. Is that possible? Human beings, sinful human beings like us, to boot. People who wouldn't rate themselves as holy. And yet, the Lord teaches us to call God Father. Again, that's a difficult thing for people from other religions. There's a wonderful book, I'll show you the uh, front of it in a little bit, about a um, lady from Iran who was a, a, a Shia Muslim and she became a Christian. And she wrote a book called I Dared to Call Him Father. Because you don't in Islam. You do in Christianity. The spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic for Daddy. It's that intimate and that respectful as well. And then in Galatians, Paul says, when the time had really come, fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that are under the law. What for? So that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Daddy, Abba, Father. You may hear Christians talking a lot about the forgiveness of sins, and quite right too, but adoption into God's family, that's the other half. I don't know about adoption being the new pregnant, but there you go. Adoption, we've been in the news quite a bit in this country, hasn't it, with the government saying, come on, you're making it far too difficult for people to adopt. Adoption in the human world may not be all joy either, as some of you know. But nonetheless, God is talking about us being adopted into his very family. That's absolutely amazing. Next one, please. That's the book. Heartily recommended to you. She goes through the process of beginning to understand what it really means to call God Daddy. Next one, please. The Lord Jesus may not have had the easiest time on this earth. I don't know, you think, well, there's an awful lot of uh, people, you know, we're very privileged, aren't we? We live comfortably, we live well. Whatever our problems, they're not a lot compared to what a lot of people in the world are well putting up with. Even the Lord Jesus, born to an unmarried mother, who was probably a teenager, in a little town, the state tried very hard to kill him almost as soon as he was born. And his parents had to make a run for it in the night from Bethlehem. He was a refugee child in Egypt for at least a while. And then came back to a little tiny place called Nazareth, up in the hills just south of Galilee, to the point that when people heard about him later on, this mighty prophet God had sent, they said, Where, where's he from? Oh, Nazareth. And the sort of jaw hit the ground. Nazareth? Anything good ever come from there? And then he comes and begins his ministry by identifying with us in baptism too. One guy came to him and said, I'll follow you wherever you like. And Jesus turned around to him and said, great, but uh, do you know I haven't got anywhere to sleep tonight? Is that okay? You know, foxes have holes, birds have nests. I don't have anywhere to stay. He was homeless. He relied on other people's hospitality the whole time. And even when he started to tell people about God, his own family didn't really understand very well, did they? At one point, they all came out to him to sort of take him home because he wasn't very well, they thought. Not easy, folks. Not easy. God entered into our world, and he didn't choose to be born in a palace. He didn't choose to have an easy, cushy time. He chose to be born in poverty. He chose to be born amid the people of the earth who have a rough time. You could say that his manger had the shadow of the cross, if you like, right from the beginning. Next, please. Have you ever been to Israel? The Garden of Gethsemane is an amazing place. And you can go there and you can sit there. And some of those olive trees are more than 2,000 years old, from which I deduce they were probably there when the Lord Jesus was. They look awfully gnarled and twisted, which I know olive trees do when they get really old. Gethsemane means the olive press. But uh, amazing. The titanic struggle that went on there. Actually, it looks like a rather nice garden. Difficult, isn't it? Next one, please. And you hear Christians talking about crosses. 
And we can't get away from that, even at Christmas, because the Lord Jesus came and was born into this world. That's amazing, yes. And he died for us too. And not only the Lord Jesus died on the cross, but our sins died on the cross too. That's why Christians keep talking about it. The cross may seem grisly. The cross is amazing. Our sins died there too. And the Lord did that for us. Next one, please. And there's the two things that come again and again in the epistles. They're talking about the change that's happened to us. Our sins have been forgiven because Jesus died on the cross. Oh, but that's not all. Not by a long chalk. God made him to be sin for us. He who knew no sin. Yes, hallelujah. So, what? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can you get your head around that? That's almost more amazing. That God should forgive. Well, God is gracious. And God is kind. And God is good. And God is prepared to give his son for us. Why? So that we could actually have the Lord Jesus' righteousness. Ourselves. You. Me. That's pretty amazing, I think. Next one, please. We don't sing this anymore. It's a great shame. Fantastic hymn about us being forgiven. These two guys, he was a guy called Horatio Spafford, but that wasn't his fault. He was a Chicago businessman. He didn't have an easy time. He lost his entire fortune. And then he went over to England to um, start up another business, really. Sent his wife and children on ahead. Their ship sank. His wife made it. His children didn't. Can you imagine? And he wrote this hymn. When peace like a river attends my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll. You can see where he's coming from, can't you? Now this is the second verse. But my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That's half the gospel. Okay? Next one, please. This is one of my heroes. He lived a little while ago. He was eccentric. He was brilliant. He said some very silly things. And he said an awful lot of very, very wonderful things. And these are some of the things he came up with. And some of them have almost entered common parlance as quotes that most of you will have heard. There was one thing that he said which I think encapsulates the gospel beautifully. You press return, please. Okay. He said, he became what we are so that he could make us what he is. That's what the Lord has done for us. Not just forgive our sins, that's amazing. More than that, he wants to make us what he is. That's amazing, that's love. That's really amazing love. You might think, well, okay, all right. This God you talk about, has he got a face? Can I see it? Do I want to? I might have to believe in him then. Has he got a name? Can I call him by it? You know, I was going home the other day uh, on the bus, and I was sort of really tired and wet through, and 
cold, and I just want to get home. Does God know anything at all about that? Well, shall I pay, play you a pop song? <laughs> See if you can remember this one. If that made you nostalgic, it was 16 years ago. Okay. <laughs> Next slide, please. God's going to bring you to glory. Many sons and daughters to glory. That's what he's promising. And this is what it says in Hebrews. A little bit of a complicated book to read, maybe. But wonderful stuff. Uh, again, I think if you read it in the message, it actually brings the meaning out remarkably well. What happened to Jesus on earth? Well, it says here, 
make the pioneer of their salvation perfect. The word is complete. That's what it means. Perfect. Finished. The finished article. Wasn't Jesus perfect before he came into this world? Yes, of course he was. God wanted him to go through this world. So why? So he could be a faithful high priest, the world says. A faithful high priest. Someone who knows what it's really like. Who can represent us to God. Why? Because he's walked this earth with us. And he's going to bring many sons and daughters to glory. So it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom this is all, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Now here's the mind-blowing bit. The one who makes people holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy are of the same family. God is saying, you're family if you're in Christ. Family with God, not just with each other. And so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers or sisters. This is a biblical thought, although it's not something you may hear talked about a great deal. We call him Saviour. We call him Lord. It's biblical, too, to call him brother. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. Next slide, please. Yeah, sorry about that. Couldn't resist it. Next slide, please. I'm sorry to inflict this on you. Look, that's my older brother, okay? Um, yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, look, he is always my brother. He is different to me. Um, when we get together, we can still snarl at each other over a chessboard. And we've been fighting since we were very small. Uh, the nadir of our relationship was when we chopped down each other's bushes in the garden and things like that, okay? <laughs> Is he a friend? Well, sort of. <laughs> but he's always my brother. And he's never going to be anything else. You press return, please. Anywhere. <laughs> uh, that's our dad. Uh, he's, with, he's in glory now. But uh, yes, yeah, a little bit of a resemblance, and we blame things on him as well. Now, Brothers are funny things, aren't they? You know, the two of us, we actually had two sisters too. But as you know, when they were little, they were mostly useful for target practice rather than anything else. And uh, I'm sorry, we're just brothers. Okay, and we always will be. And the book of Proverbs says, a friend, they're there for adversity. And a brother is born for that. He's born to be with you. He's born there through the tough times and the good times. And that is the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ walking alongside you too. Okay, next one please. Lots of times the Lord himself picked it up and used those words. So at the top there, when he was uh, talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers were outside and sent a message saying, we want to see you. And most people think they were sort of coming to take him home and saying, you, you're a bit too far, you know, you've uh, overdone it. And the Lord Jesus, without wanting to put them down, points around him and says, do you know what, my brother and my sister and my mothers are people who do the will of God, are you lot? Okay. And then there was the time, too, after the resurrection, um, when 
the ladies had been the first to see the risen Lord Jesus. And he sent them back to the disciples and said, go and tell my brothers. Okay? Actually used that term very, uh, very deliberately. Imagine, go and tell Peter. In fact, he singled out Peter by name and said, especially Peter. Peter was the guy who denied he had known the Lord. Swearings and cursings. Do you remember? And all the black despair. So, does that mean he can't do anything ever again for the Lord Jesus? The Lord is his brother, and he's always his brother, and he's not going away. And he asked Peter three times, do you love me, Peter? And that must have been a bit difficult, but he's his brother. You don't get rid of your brother. Well, you dream about it, but you don't actually do it. And then Paul says in Romans, for those he foreknew, he predestined in what way? To be conformed to the image of his son, so that Jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. Next one, please. This is Hebrews 2. We're not going to read it through again. Please go away and read it. Marvellous stuff. He's saying it's not angels he goes after. It's us lot. Abraham's descendants. The Lord Jesus had to be made like us in every way so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest and so he could make atonement for the people. He knows what it is to be tempted in every, every way as we are and yet without sin. He really does know what our life is like. Next one, please. Go home and read this again. This is what we read a moment ago. It's the Lord's high priestly prayer. And remember that, you know, if you could actually hear the Lord Jesus praying for you, you'd be unstoppable, wouldn't you? But the difference makes, the distance makes no difference at all. The Lord Jesus is praying for you. He is. So take heart on that one too. Next, please. What's adoption into God's family like? Well, when you're adopted, you have the family name. Take the name of Christ. The family honour. God owns you before the world as his son and daughter. Isn't that amazing? The family servants, your servants, angels. Now, not the little cuddly baby-like things you see in pictures. That's not, if you read the scriptures, angels are not cuddly, okay? They're pretty awesome creatures. And they're described as messengers, people sent out to care for who? God's heirs, you lot. Some of you, I know, have been very much aware of particular times in your life when you actually think you may have sensed or seen an angel. And I know one guy, amazing story, I'll tell you about it later. The security. You come into God's family, like everything God does, it's forever. It really is. The security of belonging in God's family. The family riches. <laughs> Can you imagine that? With the Lord owning the cattle on a thousand hills, do you fancy some cattle? Or whatever. God has everything. You know, do you really believe that? Because if you did, why are you so worried about gold in this world? Hmm? What's the point? If your heavenly Father has whatever you need, and you can ask him, you, can ha you have access because you are a son or a daughter, straight into the Father's presence. 
This is amazing stuff. The family seal. Okay, we don't put wax seals on things anymore, but we do sign things. You can digitally sign things if you want these days. You're signed, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit who comes and lives with you, in you. That's amazing stuff. And the family likeness. You might think my brother and I look a bit like each other. Sadly, he does look a bit like me. I look a bit like my dad and my son. Poor chap, he looks a bit like me too. The family likeness is about looking progressively like the Lord Jesus Christ. Adoption into God's family. The other half, if you like, of the gospel. Our sins are forgiven. Praise God. Marvellous. We've got enough there for all eternity to praise God. Being brought into God's family, so. Do you deserve that? I do not, and nor do you. But God's like that. He doesn't just take away our sins. He puts his arms around us and takes us into his family. Next, please. So when you get faced with this, the majority of family families on this earth are mostly sweet with a few nuts, and you'll find that God's family on earth is much the same, just for good measure. You'll also belong to each other. We need to take this pretty seriously. When one of your brothers or sisters upsets you, all right, can't you see, forget about, okay, I feel upset. You're children of God. You're in an amazing family. Go and get it fixed, for heaven's sake. It's not worthy of your notice. You belong to the Lord Jesus. You bear his name. Go and get it fixed. You ever been in a really, really big gathering of God's people? That big, maybe? Heard the singing? You can't actually put that many Christians together without them singing, I'm afraid. It can be pretty amazing, can't it? Shall I tell you something that pales into insignificance as to what God's family is going to be like in heaven? You think you've heard some music. You've heard nothing yet. Okay, next one, please. Do you remember in Revelation? John gets a look at heaven. And he says, I saw a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They lead the worship. The angels reply. How's that? Worship leaders. They cried out in a loud voice and the angels said, Amen. Okay. Amazing stuff. If you think sometimes uh, God's people on this earth are a bit weird, don't worry, they'll all be sorted out in heaven. So will you, by the way. You must have heard the rhyme to live above with saints we love. That will be truly glory. But to live below with those we know, well, that's another story. But it's true. God's people in this world are works in progress, but they're being conformed to the image of Christ. Next, please. Have you seen this ad? If you're a Christian, this is a website. It's just notashamed.org.uk. Go and have a look through. Okay. In this world, we are God's family. We are God's people. Let's stand up for him. Let's be not ashamed to be able to name the name of Christ and to be known as Christians. Oh, well, you can read the thing deep in the purple, though you probably can't. Don't let Christ be airbrushed out of Christmas. Quite right, too. There's loads on this website. You know, do go and have a look at it. Next, please. Those of you who are not believers here this morning, you might say, well, all right, this sounds pretty good, but pff, I don't know anything about this. 
Let me tell you, God today is holding his arms out to you. And he's saying that he loves you. That he so loved you that he sent Jesus to come and die and nail your sins to a cross and they're off you. And he came to bring you into his family, to give you his name, to give you his future. God's got his arms out in welcome to you. Please don't just go home and shrug your shoulders. Come and see one of us if that resonates with your heart and we'll be so glad to pray with you. Next, please. Okay, so as you do all your cards and do all these things and the peace of Christ, I hope, dwells in your hearts. Turn this over in your mind. Little baby in a manger. Okay, nice scene. A little bit sugary, almost Disney, you might think, the way it gets presented to us in the media and in cards. No, it wasn't like that. Actually, this is God reaching down in love to us, and it's amazing stuff. Should we pray together? Father, we do bless you that you're the sort of person you are. Look, we don't really get it. Why can you, how can you be like this? You give us your son, the one you really love, to come and be on this world with us, to walk with us, to feel what it's like from day to day to be in this world, to die for us. And then he gives us what he is. And we become children of God, adopted into your family. Lord, it, it, it just makes our jaws hag a little bit. All we can say is, Lord, we love you, we worship you. And yes, Lord, we want to go out there and bear your name in honour this week. Father, would you help us to be able to speak up for you when Christmas is mentioned? And Father, would you give us the grace to be able to see where other people are coming from so we can help lead them to you? We ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.